This podcast is brought to you by STEM Recruitment Solutions. STEM Recruitment Solutions was formed to merge the knowledge and recruitment skills of Scotland's best known and talented technical recruiters, covering jobs from bench to boardroom across the science, technology, engineering and maths industries. STEM Recruitment Solutions is an independent specialist consultancy working with and supporting clients on the cutting edge of their industry. STEM exists because they know firsthand that good people can transform business and the right jobs transform lives. Find out more at stemrexsolutions.co.uk And if any business comes to STEM through the podcast, they've pledged to make a donation to the football club. So please, mention us when you get in touch. From season to season support in Airdrie, there tend to be heartwarming stories pop up. I think back to Aaron's Garden, Mark Allison's face in the jersey, or in recent years, the visits of Sutton United and Bohemians. But in this last season, it was undoubtedly the visit of a man from Tillicutry who came to Airdrie and told the world how great it was. Welcome to the OTL podcast and for this podcast it's something a bit different. This season a hero emerged amongst the Airdrie supporters, a person decided to visit Airdrie with uh, an open mind uh, and a great knowledge of the club's history uh, and I think was taken to our hearts, so it was the Fitbit Nomad, he's repaid the favour and given us a Team of the Year award and we're delighted to have him on the podcast, so welcome uh, Mr Football Nomad uh, aka Adam Stalker, hi Adam. Hi there. Thank you very much for, for coming on. So, like, keen just to, to learn a bit more about you. So, you are the football nomad. How did that happen? Um, I always had a passion for writing. Um, you know, I'd kept a personal journal. I, um, you know, um, and I never really thought about it. I kind of, I've been an audience for anyone else. But I decided in 2017 that I was going to, as someone who loves football but has never really fallen in love with a club, um, to kind of go out and visit grounds and visit the pubs around grounds. And for some reason, I said I was going to write about it and put it on the internet. And it just so happened I did this and I wasn't aware of the kind of the ground hopping phenomenon. I think that certainly is much more popular in Scotland now, but even back then wasn't wasn't such a big thing. It's always been a kind of big English thing, but I wasn't aware there was people who did that. Um, and so I went out and started doing that, and people liked reading about it, and I quite liked uh, doing it, so it just kind of took off from there. And what about your indoctrination into football? So you say you hadn't fallen in love with a club. I now follow you on social media. It was your 40th recently, and you got a Paul Town portrait of Tyne Castle. So do you want to give us the, the story behind that? Um, yeah, um, my dad was a jambo. Um, he wasn't the most, he wasn't the biggest for attending games for a lot of, uh, for a lot of his adult life, um, he spent the beginning of his adult life in Yorkshire. So obviously, travelling to Hearts games wasn't that possible. Moving it back at home in kind of the eighties, um, obviously, felt I was too young to take to Tyne Castle. And if I remember Tyne Castle the first time I went, I certainly wouldn't be taking my six-year-old niece there anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but uh, I think it was I had fallen in love with football at Italian ninety, uh, Mo Johnson, Gary Lineker. Um, the whole shebang, and there was the opportunity. Hearts were playing um, Tottenham in a, a pre-season friendly straight after the World Cup. So straight after the World Cup, you got Dave McPherson on the Hearts side. You had Lineker and Gascoigne on the um, 
Tottenham side. Um, there was no way I wasn't going to be allowed to go and see that. Um, went and it, obviously it was a fantastic experience. And um, with my 40th birthday recently, Paul Town, who paints um, historical and now no longer with us football stadiums, uh, commissioned him to do a painting of that evening. And it's, it was it's certainly, if you go look, if anyone looking at Paul Town's website, it, absolutely fantastic stuff on there. And I'm really glad to have that work done. Yeah, no, but Paul's work's excellent. He's done a portrait of the old Broomfield, uh, which is which is a cracker as well. So, uh, yeah, no, a, a, a lovely way to to mark a, a big birthday. Uh, and then you've moved about a bit. So again, just from reading your blogs, I know that you went to watch Aberdeen for a while. So from Stirlingshire originally, how did you end up going to watch the Dons? Well, I'm going to stop you, and I'm going to say Clint Manninshire. Frank, my sorry. Frank Manninshire over the weekend. Oh. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the Hillfoots area of the week, the weekend, which obviously I am. Um, so I spent my teens uh, watching Alawa. So me and my friends went to Alawa. Short, short bus journey away. But as someone who kind of, um, I grew up in uh, the Wee County and I went to university just over just over the border in Stirling. And I never left home. And I decided I was going to go and start my career. I was going to go up to Aberdeen after I graduated. And I spent nine years in Aberdeen. And I was actually, I was living just off King Street and it was maybe only 500 yards as the crow flies to Pataudry. And someone like me who loved football wasn't, you know, that was too much to resist. And I think also that I spent quite a lot of time at Allen Park watching Cove Rangers as well. Um, but certainly it was the Jimmy Calderwood years at Aberdeen. It was Bayern Munich 2 each. It was Copenhagen 4-0. It was... Um, uh, incredibly uh, good performances against uh, uh, bigger teams and quite lackluster performances against smaller ones as well, which I think was a bit of a hallmark of uh, Aberdeen at the time. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Pitotri as a, a ground that's got a special place in, in your heart now? It's a strange one. Um, I know that when uh, people talked about hearts moving at Tyne Castle years and years ago, there was absolute fury about it. And for some reason, uh, Aberdeen, they were planning it when I lived in Aberdeen. They've been planning it for years to move into a new ground. It was originally going to be out of the city. Now they're talking about having it near where Pataudry is. And there's no campaigns to keep Pataudry. People seem, oh, yeah, we're going to move out of Pataudry. It'll be great. And um, I think Pataudry's nice. And um, there's arguments about whether it was Scotland's first all-seater uh, football ground or not. There's uh, Meadowbank fans and Clydebank fans who argue furiously about it. But... There doesn't seem to be too much sentimentality in Aberdeen itself about Pataudry, which has always been a strange one to be. I think it's a lovely ground. I think they could Tynecastle it or Easter Road it and build it up. But yeah, no one seems that too concerned about keeping it. I, I obviously have great memories of it, but yeah, it's a, it was a great ground. But and I certainly, I certainly enjoyed my time there. You know, it's a strange one because you think of that Alex Ferguson years aren't that long ago and some of the great nights that they've had at the place. So you would think people would be, uh, especially the Westfield move, really furious about about that. But as you say, there wasn't well, it wasn't an obvious protest movement. The, the, the latest plans would probably keep people happy, you would think. Mm. I always find yeah. it interesting, I don't know your your thoughts as no matter. So like, taking the two Edinburgh stadiums, so Tynecastle and Easter Road, no bit of those grounds is the same as when I first went. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a new modern stadia are there, but the match day experience is, and this is part of what you do, it's the same pubs, it's the same walk, yes. uh, it's maybe parking the car in the same place or the same bus. And I think that's that's important in terms of just the, the spiritual home. And, it, and it's something that from moving 
and you're only talking maybe a mile, a mile and a half. It's something that, that we've we've lost. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what you what you think. I mean, I, I think it's a. I, I just wonder, particularly with Pataudry, if it was if I had have moved out of town, would people have only realised that it was too late what they had missed? But yeah, I, um, I think um, you're right about it. While it's a bit like Trigger's Broom with the Easter Road and um, Tynecastle, it, it is. It's a, a totally different ground. It really would. If you once you're in the ground, it wouldn't matter where it is. But it is about where people have parked the car, what pubs have been to, that walk down the road, the things that you know. Maintaining that is very important, and I think it's all it's that match day experience. And I think in general, uh, clubs have gone for out of town stadiums have lost that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and you'll see in my work, I always, I, I always praise a club that has a ground in the centre of the community. No, it's uh, it's something that we miss, is it? Because it was bang smack in the middle of the town, and you feel more of a heartbeat of the community just by being in the middle of it. People can't avoid you, even if they even if they wanted to. So you've now you're still the football nomads you said at the start, you started doing it thinking maybe you would you would find a love for a club. But have you actually developed a love for this kind of nomadic existing existence and being more of a ground hopper and ticking off these different experiences? And it's not going to last forever. Um, certainly I'm running out of grounds that I can get to in half an hour. Um, it's going to become, I think if I go beyond the six seasons, it's going to be too difficult to find grounds to visit. I think, um, you know, and it's surprising which grounds are difficult to access. So from Clugmanningshire, there's almost no public transport into Fife. So um, uh, unless I get my mum to give me a lift to places that aren't, we're talking about places 10, 15 miles away. Yeah. I'm just, there's no access. I mean, I don't drive and it would interfere with the pub review anyway. Yeah. But um, it's the same with uh, West Lothian. Um, I think um, it's 45 minutes to fault house for me from where I'm currently at. Not a chance I could get there by public transport. It'd be quicker walking. So there's, it's not just distance that's an issue. Um, there's some grounds that are just incredibly difficult to get to. And I think if uh, keeping up the average of going to a game every fortnight to a new place, I'd probably start running out of options. And I... Um, in maybe another two seasons. So we need the football nomad sh- chauffeurs. Uh, job is job is open if someone's prepared to uh, come on board and get you to places. But otherwise, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean I, that, that has happened. In fairness, but um, a certain uh, people rovers chairman had me ferried um, from uh, from Stirling and back again uh, all the way to, all the way from Peebles, um, which was a great day out. But yeah. Um, it's not something obviously you can rely on or you know it's just i could do it forever but you know you don't want to do things forever you want to enjoy it well it's it's well it's things should be difficult and some places are difficult but so but it should be fun and i think now a couple of seasons and i've had my fun and maybe start to spend time at clubs i particularly enjoyed being at Okay, right. So let's go into the books then. So, so we're on to book number. What's just launched? The book number two. Book number two. The continued adventures of the football nomad. It's very cleverly titled. <laughs> so, so how did were people at you saying right? You should put this in a book, or where, where did that come from? Um, the blogs became. It's hard to judge. I say popular. Um, I was getting the first couple of seasons. I was getting forty thousand readers per season. Now, 
that to me seems a lot when I live in a county of 47,000 people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what kind of other figures guys like me are getting. And I kind of, I'd, at the end of the first season, I'd written an article on homophobia in football um, and about, and I'd put on the site and I got an email out the blue from Nutmeg Magazine, Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical, which I'm sure you'll be aware of. So, and asking if they could put that article into their magazine. Now, I'm looking at listeners, articles written by some legends of Scottish football, and I'm like, yes, of course you can. And maybe, you know, what can I say, would it be um, self-serving or maybe kind of, you know, a bit, it was done out of pride. But um, certainly since the first book launched in 2019, because it's not been two seasons at a time due to COVID, it's sold copies on Amazon every month. Um, it's not been, I like to think of it as it, it's not been popular. It's not been a hit, but it's been loved by the people who've bought it. Um, I still get messages, private messages online. Guy most recently from Sicily, um, picture of his coffee table with the book on it. And, it, um, and you know, it's like, I really hope he hasn't bought it to improve his English. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, so stuff like that's strange. I mean, I know that the blog with the, like, you know, the app, you can see all the different countries the blog gets read, but knowing that there's like, copies of the a copy of a book I've written that's like in Australia and America and Sicily is kind of mind-blowing so um I'm glad I did it um I uh, self it's been self-published both books self-publishing isn't it really I mean it's an expensive way of doing things but thanks to donations from family friends colleagues and cover sponsors it's not actually been too tricky for me to do and obviously it's, it's on fan and press up in Tarland and Aberdeenshire I thought it was quite important to use a Scottish self-publishing company mm-hmm. and you know you look at the book and it looks really I think a large part of it a large part of the book's success if you like is their ability to make it look very very professional um, so I've been, always been very happy with the work they've done but yeah um yeah, the book's uh, the second book's out there, the continued adventure of the football nomad. I think it went on Amazon last week, um, and I've not actually had my copies from the printers yet. So there's people out there who have a copy, and I'm still waiting for mine. But yeah, how, how much of a labour of love is it going from blogs to getting it in a format that the printers can use? Do you have to do that, or do they help you with it? Um, they do. A, I do a lot of tidying up myself because I want to. Um, I, I've always said that no, when I'm writing, no club's bigger than another. Everyone's treated the same. So everyone gets about 2,000 words. Mm-hmm. Sometimes on the blogs, I've gone away with myself. So I've condensed things down or I've added bits in. Um, obviously, so it's not exactly the same as on the blog as well. So people who've read the blogs and are buying a book aren't just getting the same thing again. Um, but uh, so there is that bit. But um no, the self-publishers, there's a proofreader and there's um, the, the, obviously the typesetting and the cover and all that stuff's completely handled by them. But yeah, so it's kind of a, a good bit's done by them, but a good bit's done by me as well. Because the blogs are quite, you know, you wake up on the Sunday, I always do it on a Sunday morning, and I go from uh, the preambles I kind of write in the week up, leading up, so you, you talk about knowing about history of the clubs, that's kind of done the build-up. Then the pubs, the ground, the game, the aftermath, kind of done in a two-hour spell in the morning. So, 
they tend to be a bit more raw and a bit more than that for the finished book copy. And what, what's a perfect day out for you in terms of what, what, what are you aiming to do? Is there a checklist of any ground you want to get to a certain number of pubs? or I always try and do three or four pubs. Um, another thing I set out to do in the beginning was only write positives. Um, you know, well, number one, you get like, I have no interest in kind of, um, having to go at football clubs or criticising things. And I think with pubs particularly, I'm turning up at places, I'm, I'm seeing pubs at like half 11 in the morning. Um, and it's not my business, you know, these this is folks' livelihoods. It's not like me to turn up and go, that was rubbish, don't go there, and affect folks' livelihoods like that. So I always remain positive. The worst thing that can happen to a pub is a turn up on the Saturday and on the Sunday or not in the article, which is an incredibly, incredibly rare thing to happen. But rather, I, I just wouldn't mention it uh, rather than, um, you know, say anything bad. I think, I think it's got to be quite feel good and it's got to be quite positive. And I think that's one of the reasons people like it as well. Yeah. I think that's what really struck me, Adam, reading the, the blog that every post-industrial town people are very quick to have a, a pop at it and uh, people are very quick to tar all every fans with the, the same brush when we let ourselves down which we do from time to time so to, to have you come along really embrace the history of the club how much of that you know how much of that you have to respect uh, have to research i don't know but really you could see the spark with people were really pleased that you had shown such an interest in us uh, and then like have Scott Ray that owns the West End, Gary who runs Q here, uh, are great guys and worked really hard at the pub. So it was lovely to see uh, an outsider come in and, and appreciate what, what we see all the time, um, rather than, as you see, like tw- Twitter's full of horribleness in football. Uh, there's plenty of people snippy about working class places. Uh, it was just really, really refreshing. And the, the, to see you come in with, with that mindset. So so thank you for that. But turning to the day in Airdrie, uh, then why did you decide to come to Airdrie when we have got kind of this modern Legoland stadium? Um, did that Was that even in your thoughts that it might not appeal? Well, I mean, I think, um, I think first of all, I mean, um, I think Airdrie are a big club and I like to balance things out. Sometimes I'm, you know, a junior side some weeks I've got a league sides. I think the plan is to do as many of the league sides as possible. But certainly, I mean, Airdrie, there was always a soft spot for, because as I wrote in the article, they were a great side when I was a boy. When I was going to see Hearts in the 90s, um, not only were they a great side, uh, Scottish Cup finals, playing the top flight, but as a jambo, there was quite a few crossovers as well. Um, Jimmy Sanderson, uh, Alan Lawrence, and of course, uh, Justin Fashionu, yeah. um, players that I all saw at Tynecastle. So there was a, you know, when I was a when I was a lad and there wasn't a lot of football on TV, Airdrie were on TV, um, you know. So there's definitely that soft spot there. I think the um, that kind of unique, almost rugby league like diamond strip, um, that as well. You know, I, mean, I think I think if, if for anyone under kind of half my age, you know, they might think thinking about Airdrie as a big club is they might not think that, but to me, you know. It's just, and the same way they were quite like at the time, you know, your Falkirks and your Dunfermlands. Yeah. They were between Division One and the Premier League. And they had, you know, I said some fast, fantastic players, some former Jambos, some future Jambos. So that was kind of part of the temptation too. And I think as well, you know, I go around Scotland, but people go, oh, I was at 
uh, Loch Lomond, or I was up at the Isle of Skye, or I was on the, the Murray Coast. Well, I go to Kelty, and I go to Canvas Lang, and I go to, you know, Cumnock. Um, so it's a very different perspective of places I visit in Scotland. And Airdrie's, you know, no different from a lot of the places I go to see. So it wasn't kind of like people saying, why Airdrie? Well, actually, quite a lot of the places I go to are like Airdrie. Um, and very nice it is too. It's, uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, but never actually having, I, I think maybe once when I was at university, I'd never been to Airdrie as well. Um, and it's, uh, so there was obviously, that was quite a large town. It was quite interesting to visit. Another reason for going. Uh, and what about the day itself? I mean, it was a while ago now, you, but you've written a blog. What can you what can you remember of it and maybe things that, that didn't make the, the blog? Um, well, things that I kind of didn't write about in the blog, but I've since talked about was um, even beforehand. Now, you see, I always in social media announce I'm going to a place and do a bit of club history, former players and the build up over the week. And sometimes it's completely ignored. Sometimes I get a few replies. Sometimes, you know, I get pub recommendations. And when I said I was going to Airdrie, I was absolutely inundated. You know, um, the people follow, and particularly Facebook, 5.2% of people who follow my Facebook page are from Airdrie, <laughs> according to the stats. So, um, but absolutely inundated. You should go to this pub, you should go to this pub, you should go to this pub. Oh, do you remember that player? Or if I put up a post about a player, there'd be five or six anecdotes, you know. And once again, very positive. So oh, he was brilliant. I remember him. Or in the case of Alan Lawrence, folk tagging him into it. Yeah. You know, um, so which was very weird having him reply to a post I'd done about him. Um, that wasn't common. So bef- actually before arriving in Airdrie, there was a lot of friendliness and there was a lot of, um, you know, s- certainly much more um, than any, SP- any SPFL club I've ever encountered before. Because um, quite often, actually, the, if you look at my readership numbers, the SPFL clubs, sometimes there's not a huge follow you know, people really aren't that interested. I think if you're a team in the middle of Fife and no one's visited you for however, people engage, but I think that doesn't happen with the SPFL as much, but certainly in Airdrie it did. Um, I followed recommendations, it was the, the West End Bar to start with, yeah. a beautiful defibrillator on the outside wall. And inside, like absolutely gorgeous pub on the inside. And it set a pattern for the day where I went in and the landlord's like, you're that guy off the internet. <laughs> and sometimes that happens. Sometimes if I visit three pubs in a town and one of them, somebody might say, oh, you've, you're the guy who's doing this. Because I always wear a T-shirt to identify myself. I, and, you know, and I always say what pubs I'm going to. Because once again, you don't want to turn up and write about a place secretly. Yeah. Number one, you don't want battered and chucked out the door but um but so started there and then it was um very i was very impressed by q here the the pool hall um um where the gaffer bought me a pint plenty of and it wasn't just um airdrie supporters as well as people of the town yeah. and by the time i got to the final i think it was the albert bar yeah and um, once again people speaking in there so that was kind of a three and three people coming and speaking to me and the stadium bar as well obviously um I think, yeah, that's something I wasn't, it was that level of friendliness and engagement that I hadn't really had before with a club at that level. Yeah, and I think what it seems for me in recent years, when they opened up the Challenge Cup or whatever it's called at the moment, uh, we had visits from Sutton United and uh, from Bohemians from from Dublin. Mm -hmm. And 
so we do the same thing. We have a special podcast to try and because uh, it's interesting, right? It's different. It's not the same team coming to play you four times that season. Uh, and it was the same. They, they, they went to the same haunts as you, uh, and they got the kind of same treatment. I just think that's. I think that's what football probably misses at points when it gets overly tribal. That actually the experience of talking to other fans or even guys yourself who have taken in all these football grounds and just having a chat is really adds to the day rather than having to be in separate pubs and not talk to each other or make gestures to each other during the game. Uh, I think your visit in those two two games, uh, it's been great to see people from the town just really welcome outsiders in and want them to uh, enjoy their experience with the club. I, I kind of got the feeling that although Airdrie's got quite a large population, that the kind of centre of town, that the main street's quite a community in its own way. Um, and I, like... Because it's quite like, you know, Tillicuti here, right? It's just uh, it's your main street with your barbers, your bakers, your bookies, etc. And there's certainly, it certainly had a small town community feel in a place that's pretty large, you know? It's... Yeah, get, get, and then the, 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 well, I'm trying to think, the game had to, your original visit got cancelled. I can't even remember yes. why. It was, was that a COVID outbreak? Uh, but on the day itself, you also got to take in what was a pretty great football match, which, which doesn't yeah. happen always as well. So that, that really rounded it off. Well, yeah, I mean, um, the only 4-1 victory where I can kind of think of where the away team might have felt a bit put, put out because they actually played rather well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ergy took their chances. It was, it was impressive stuff to see. I think I'd actually mean, <laughs> believe it or not, the football's never my biggest emphasis uh, when I'm going about. And I wasn't quite aware of that Airdrie had such a decent run. Um, uh, and I think it surprised me how together things were on the pitch. And I yeah, um, absolutely smashed it, smashed the game. It was, I think it was quite interesting to look at people around me being quite, wow, I'm, wow, <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, disposing of a team who, I mean, certainly, I think I looked at a run and you were unbeaten and it was Montrose at both ends that had beaten you uh, of an un, of a undefeated streak. Yeah. It was, uh, so yeah, the game was great as well. I think, um, but I, the stadium is obviously the strange bit. It must be that the 10,000, it must be completely galling to, I mean, it's nice enough. Um, but it must be galling knowing that if our bro had gone up this year, we could have played at Gayfield in the Premier League. Um, and that places like Somerset Park and Capua will exist forever because of that now and Broomfield's gone. I mean, I never got to go to Broomfield back in the day. I've only seen pictures. It would have been incredibly special to have been to an updated Broomfield when I visited. But um, yeah, I, the grounds... It's the empty stands. It's a shame. Yeah. Um, but as a bit the area where if the area with the atmosphere where I was was great, and uh, you know, but it's just that visual of uh, the empty stands. Yeah. But I get so the way that Scottish football's gone because you're you're right. Like you'd want to have your traditional ground, uh, and it being gone, what everybody builds is Airdrie, but without the three stands, which. Which gives you some interesting outlooks at places like 
Methyl when the, the big industrial works was still there, albeit it's now cleared, Ooh. or Dumbarton looking out yeah, onto Dumbarton, the, absolutely. Looking out onto the Clyde. Um, but then in some ways I think that's quite sad as well. So you, I don't know, you want a ground surrounding the pitch and off a size where it'll feel busy with your typical mm-hmm. crowd, which isn't what we've got. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think to flip it, quite a lot of, of teams in Scotland, I'm sure, would bite their hand off to Verdry Stadium, dropped in, uh, into where their park is uh, just now, including uh, much as I, I, I like Capolo, uh, they're really struggling to do anything with it just because the way it's pinned in by roads and other yes. things around it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah, but but yeah, it, it lacks character, yeah, definitely. Um, but there's, there's nothing we can do about that other than hope we have a, a, a good enough football team one day to start opening some of these other stands. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was built... I, I didn't look too much into the financial history, but it was built with the intent of going back into the Premier League. But there, it must be an element of it must hold an element of responsibility in its, itself that you didn't. Yeah, well, the, the liquidation of the club when the liquidators report came out, they said they built a Rolls Royce when a Ford Fiesta would have done. So yeah, I mean, it probably yeah. played a big part in the the. Adrian's name disappearing from football and, and us having a liquidation against the record, no mm-hmm. doubt, no doubt. Um, right, so what the, the season's the season never really finishes, Adam. <laughs> so, no. have you been taking stuff in over the summer or are you waiting until the uh, the season seasons kind of kick off again now? Is everything shut down? Yeah, um, I don't, I mean, just say I'm off to Aberdeen, um, I want to start book three in Aberdeen. Obviously, it being special, and it's the 13th of July. You know, it's um, Scottish Cup, uh, Scottish League Cup, and um, group stages. I like I like how the League Cup's gone back to the kind of early 80s group stages. Not that I was, I would have been a toddler the last time. Yeah. You know, back in the day when it was originally group stages, um, and I think so. I'm looking forward to that, but um, yeah, it doesn't really stop. I think. Um, I had my last game of the season. I had to get the manuscript together. I had to get the manuscript out. The book came out. Um, I still need to deliver family and friends copies next week. And then there'll be one. And then that'll be kind of last season done. And then there's a week. And then I'm off up to Aberdeen. Um, so, but I've kind of like, kind of created a wish list for the last couple of seasons as well. Um, with a few places I'd like to see. And I think, um, yeah, but there's nothing... No, Enough, especially a lot of non-only games getting cancelled. There's a um, for it doesn't matter what time of year it is. Um, uh, but so uh, plans change, but yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't really stop. And for your five uh, percent of Facebook followers, they're all based in Airdrie. How can we buy the book? So book number two has got uh, the tale from your day in Airdrie. Uh, where can they find it? It's on uh, Amazon. Um, um, it's on Amazon. It's uh, if you type in the football nomad, no W. That was kind of my Aberdeen influence. I always felt it was football, no football. Um, the football nomad. The both books are up there. I recommend you know uh, um, buy the first one as well if you if if you want to get the full experience. But um, if you if you like to have um, a memento of a, someone's day out at Airdrie, um, certainly the continued adventures of the football nomad is available on Amazon. It's only two ninety nine on Kindle. Um, but um, also, uh, they'll never say that uh, it's Kindle's print on demand, so they don't hold stock. So it's, there's unlimited numbers, 
not that that's ever going to be an issue. Um, so if you press the button on Amazon at your local depot, it will print and bind a copy and send it out to you. All right. Uh, yeah. So they, they don't hold they don't hold the stock. You you order the book and it goes through a machine and it prints and binds the book brand new. Yeah. Etc. Ah, yeah. Really clever. It's it's called a, it's called a, a, a print on demand. So for self-published folk like me, we don't have to organise. We don't have to pay Amazon to hold the stock or invest in a stock of it. It just prints it as it wants it, and that makes it great for. I think for some reason it launched. Launched them at ten countries straight out, whereas the first book didn't. For some reason, it took a while. But so you know, if you're in um, Brisbane, Australia, and you click that button on Amazon, it prints out in your local depot. It's modern technology. That is, yeah, um, mind blowing. So good one for Airdrie fans abroad as well. Excellent. Uh, right, and we our season ended in disappointment when we lost the playoff final but we didn't not win anything last year because we were voted club of the year uh, by the football nomad and uh as a shield engraved as the shield planning to planning to drop the shield into uh, timpson's uh, when i'm delivering books next week uh, around the county um but there will be a there will be a blue plaque sent i, I, I might as well actually send it to someone like yourself um I would really like it to go in the bar at the ground. Yeah. Although I'm obviously not a, a, a credibly, yeah, that, that would be an ideal. But certainly, if it could be handed to a group of fans who would uh, cherish its uh, moderately priced uh, beauty, <laughs> yeah, I think um, that would be quite good. But yeah, um, uh, it was. I, I've decided it wasn't really. It's not so much club of the year as it was adventure of the year because it wasn't just about seeing a team that played really well and, you know, it was about the community and it was about the fans and the reception. And, the, and it's been about that in previous years, but more so than any other year, it was a club that won club of the year because of the uh, response I got from the people, not, ju- not just fans, but people in the community as well. Excellent. Uh, that's a, a great place to end. I think Adam, but we'll we'll get the, the stadium. We'll put the plaque up. The stadium will will be proud of it. Uh, but you need to come back and see it. So you said that yeah, you're yeah. looking for clubs that you would come back and see. Hopefully, one of those is Airdrie. And please just let us all know when you're you're coming back and you'll be made very welcome again. Um, but thank you for your time this evening, uh, and thank you for writing such a nice piece on on our read. No, 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 no. 